Tonight is about celebrating and praising God for the arrival, the arrival of God with us. It was a big deal, a big, big deal. It had been in the works for thousands of years, ever since the fall, when God confronted Adam and Eve and and predicted that there would be coming a day when God would crush the head of the, the serpent. It had been given promises to the Old Testament prophets, had been coming for hundreds of years, telling that um, people, that, that God would come. There had been hundreds of years when people who were looking for God paid attention, prayed, longed, and desired for the Messiah to arrive. It was a big deal. This year, as I began to think and pray about what to share, and as we plan together, the, the, that, the um, aspect of the story that caught my attention was the role of the angelic beings, the unseen supernatural beings. We often refer to them as angels, and, and some of them are messengers, but there are also all kinds of other heavenly hosts, supernatural beings. And the fact that there were angels involved reminds us of the enormity of the moment. Because that's kind of God's way. It's often when he wants to do something profound that he intersects the unseen realm with the seen, the human earthly realm, with his messengers, his angelic beings. And he still does. And as I was was preparing, my mind went to Um, Christmas Eve 1990 for our family. It was the year before um, this congregation was established and we were worshiping with a congregation in Greensburg. We had pastored in Beaver and we had kind of an adopted grandmother in Beaver. So we went from the congregation in Greensburg up to Beaver. And if you know anything about where Beaver is, it's that parkway, they keep changing the name of it, but it's that parkway. And so at about 10 o'clock on Christmas Eve, it was kind of like this, not quite this cold, but it was nasty. Picked up the um, adopted grandmother and we started driving in our station wagon. I had four kids, seven, five, two, and one. I had my wife and this elderly lady, our adopted grandmother, on that stretch of highway when I started hearing this noise and realized that my tire was flat. On the, on the barest stretch, barren stretch, there were no exits close by. The wind was whipping along. And most of you know that I'm not that handy. <laughs> and I don't, I'm not usually that prepared. So I, I, we had a flashlight, but it really didn't work. And so I pulled off to the side, wondering what in the world we were going to do. It was back before cell phones, so I couldn't call anyone. And I, I get out and I look and there's a flat tire in them. It was before I knew Gary Offerman to call him and say, how do you change a flat tire? I, and so I'm, I'm, I'm kneeling there thinking, okay, first take the hubcap off. And I, and I was, unbeknownst to me, this adopted grandmother, Jane, gathered the kids and said, we need to pray. And they began to pray. I'm, I am kneeling here and I look up and out of nowhere, 
out of nowhere, there's a car and two young men walking towards me. One of them had a trench coat on, the other had some kind of coat on, and, and they walked up to me and I thought, when I was in college, I worked in a grocery store, I got robbed. And I thought, this is it. We started plant to plant this church, but I guess God has those other ideas. I'm just, and so I look at them and, and they said, can we help? I said, well, uh, you wouldn't happen to have a flashlight, sarcastically, you wouldn't happen to have a flashlight. The kid reached into his jacket, and I thought it was, he was reaching for a gun. He reached into his jacket, pulled out a flashlight. Now, what teenager do you know <laughs> who wears a trench coat and has a flashlight in his pocket? And then they said, um, can we help you? It doesn't really look like you know what you're doing. I said, actually, no. They came over, they changed the tire, they... In, in record time, and I, I'm just standing back amazed, thinking, I still don't get it. And so they did it, and I said, can, you know, can I, can I pay you? Can I just say, they said, nope, we're just here to help. Got back in the car and drove away. I got back in the car, and I said, I don't exactly know what happened. And the grand, our adopted grandmother Jane said, God sent help. To this day, I'm convinced they were angels. God still intersects heaven and earth. The Bible tells us that oftentimes we interact, we entertain those supernatural beings. When God is up to things, he pulls out all the stops of heaven out of his love for us. And so angels, the, it, I was just struck this year that the enormity of the situation cause God to unleash his angels. We, we see it earlier in the story before that night. It was an angel, Gabriel, who was sent to, Mar to Zechariah in the temple to uh, tell him that they were going to have a baby. It was the angel, Gabriel, who came to Mary and announced that she was going to be the mother of the Son of God. It was an angel, we don't know his name, who appeared to Joseph in a dream. Individual angels who arranged the story. But on that night, the night of the arrival, something extraordinary happened. Something that I haven't been able to identify has happened in the Bible before or since. In Luke chapter 2, verse 13, it says, Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, it was a single angel that went to Zechariah. It was a single angel that went to Mary. It was a single angel that went to Joseph, but it was a heavenly host. Now you do a little research on that word and it's a number beyond counting. So here's what those shepherds experienced. They, as they looked out into the sky, they could see nothing but angelic beings, the heavenly hosts. North to south, east to west, up and down. All they could see was a heavenly host. Why? Because the Son of God had been born. The arrival that would split time had to be announced by a heavenly host. But it wasn't about the angels. It was about the enormity of the moment that God had designed for us. 
Hark the Herald Angels sing that song that we just sang points to the arrival and points to the heavenly hosts. Some people have identified Hark the Herald Angels as the epitome of the Christmas story in him. And it is the basis for tonight. So I want, as we think about this arrival, I want to look at the first verse and what it says to us. Hark, the herald angels sing. Hark means to pay close attention, to listen to. The herald angels, the, the announcing angels, glory to the newborn king. Honor, pay attention to the angels because they are announcing the glory of God, the manifest presence of God, the evidence of God, of the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. Pay attention to the angel's announcement of his purposes, peace and mercy. God and sinners reconciled. That's what this is all about. God paying the price so that we can have a relationship once again with God that had been broken far back in the Garden of Eden. Joyful, all ye nations rise. Be joyful. And, and so the in this hymn, it says, pay attention to these announcements and then join that heavenly host in praising God. Join the triumph of the sky, the victory that we announce that comes from heaven to us through Christ's birth in Bethlehem. With the angelic host proclaim, not just general praise, but proclaim that the Son of God has Come, God with us. Christ is born in Bethlehem. We've chosen the Christmas carols or the Advent carols um, to align with these themes. And so the next two um, point to the arrival of Jesus Christ. And so I want, as we sing these, I want you to do what the hymn says, proclaim the newborn king. Arrival, and then you can be seated. And then identity. The heavenly hosts were not on the scene because of the miracle of a baby boy. It was because of who the baby boy was. Though they were um, the result of supernatural work of God, the angels didn't show up when... Um, John was born to Zechariah and Elizabeth in a miraculous way. The angels didn't show up when Abraham and Sarah were miraculously given a boy because they were, it was still a human element. But when Jesus was born, it was not just about the arrival. It was about who was arriving, his identity as the Christ. In Luke chapter 2, verse 11 the angel announced, for unto you is born this day in the city of David. What's the next two words? A savior, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Not just a baby, more than a baby. In Colossians chapter one, verses 15 to 20, we see um, a, a, a wonderful passage of scripture that shows us the identity and it's up here. Let's say it together. <clears throat> Colossians 1, 15 to 20. He is the image of the invisible God, 
the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything <clears throat> he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. It wasn't just a baby boy. It was the Son of God, incarnate. Verse 2 of Hark the Herald Angels Sing, address this, point us to Jesus' identity. Christ, by highest heaven adored. Highest heaven. Have you ever thought about what that indicates? Was it about the angels? Who's highest heaven? This is, a, um, this is not a rhetorical question. Who is it? It's the Father, right? By highest heaven and earth. For God so loved the world, but he also adored Jesus, his Son. Christ, the everlasting Lord, with no beginning, no end. So his birth was not creation, as it is for us as human beings conception, it was arrival. Late in time, behold him come. In other words, it just seemed like it took an awfully long time. They'd been waiting and longing, and finally he arrived. Offspring of the virgin's womb, fully human. Pause there. God becoming fully human offspring of the virgin's womb. There's a song that is very popular both in the Christian realm and in, in secular, Mary, Did You Know? You've probably heard it multiple times during this Advent season. Um, and I get a kick out of it because um, John Stone Street from the Breakpoint podcast um, insists, <laughs> whenever he hears that song, he goes, Mary knew. Mary knew. You can tell by the Magnificat, by, by her song after she went to Elizabeth. Mary knew, but she still was amazed, as we should be. Here's a baby come through the virgin's womb as fully God and fully human. Veiled in flesh, the God had seen. What does it mean to be veiled? Covered. Um, unseen. His divinity was covered by human flesh. But look, if we see beyond that human flesh, we see the Godhead, fully God. Hail the incarnate deity. You know what hail means? To greet with enthusiastic approval. You know, most of the time we think of hail Caesar, right? Hail Caesar. To greet with enthusiastic approval. What? The incarnate deity, God in the flesh. Greet him, pleased as man with men to dwell. Pleased, taking pleasure, delighted, 
not angry, not because God was resigned and just frustrated with us as human beings, but he looked down on us with love and it would pleased him. It brought pleasure to him that his son would come as a man. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus our, what? Emmanuel, God with us. These next two songs point us to remember the identity of who Jesus is. Let's stand and sing. Um, Arrival, identity, and then triumph. Does anybody know what June 6, 1944 was? This is, this is not, see when I ask a question, it means June 6, 1944 was D-Day. It was the day when the Allied forces landed on Normandy Beach in France with the purpose of defeating the empire of evil and rescuing the world. June 6th was the invasion force. It was years in the planning, and, and when D-Day when was over, the only thing that the Allied forces had accomplished was to establish a beachhead. And yet it was celebrated around the world as the deliverance had begun. The people in France and Belgium and so many parts of Europe were thrilled to hear because they had been under oppression for so many years. And yet it was only a beachhead. The next 11 months, the Allied forces would fight tooth and nail to finally accomplish the purpose of delivering the people of Europe. But on June 6, it was only a beachhead. It was the arrival. If the Allied forces had failed in the following months, it would not be a day of remembrance or celebration. If Jesus had not accomplished the triumph that he had come to accomplish, we wouldn't even remember it. Without triumph, arrival doesn't mean much. I want, you, I want us to read this next scripture together, but I want to read it a verse at a time until we get to the last part. So um, let's read verse 31, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Triumph. See, this is why we celebrate. It's because of the triumph. Arrival, identity, but triumph. Jesus' triumph gives us a God who is for us. I want you to think about that for a moment. It's one thing for God to be with us. It's another thing for your God to be for you. Jesus' triumph gave that to you. God, listen to me, God is for you. Read verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, 
how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Jesus triumph. This is why we celebrate Jesus triumph that gives us all the promise of all these good things. He didn't spare his own son. Why would he spare any of the other resources of heaven? Because he loves us. He cares about us. He wants to be for us. Jesus triumph gives us the promise of all good things. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? It, it, it's as if the, the, uh, the, the writer of Romans, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is trying to grasp at those things that we think will separate us from God, that the worst of the worst. So in your life, if you think about the worst thing possible and understand Jesus' arrival, identity, and triumph, eliminates that as a possibility. Nothing can, sell us, can separate us from the love of God. Let's read the, the rest of these verses. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of his triumph, we celebrate that we are more than conquerors. God is bigger than anything that you ever face. God is bigger than what you're going through. God is bigger than anything that you will ever go through because he's for you, he's with you. And that's why we celebrate the arrival is because it didn't stop there. It led to the triumph. Verse one and verse two of Hark the Herald Angels Sing prepare for us to grasp the enormity of the triumph that is described in verse three. It says, hail, again, to greet with enthusiastic approval, the heaven-born Prince of Peace. That's where he, he was from. Even though he was born on earth, he was from heaven, the Prince of Peace. The one, uh, uh, hail the son of righteousness, the one who brings light. The sun lights everything. Righteousness meaning holy God completely his, pleasing to, to God and all that he is. Light and life to all he brings. Light, understanding. Life, eternal life, and abundant life. Risen with healing in his wings. Healing of the whole person. Please don't read this just about physical healing. It's spiritual healing the healing of our souls, the forgiveness and restoration. It's healing of our minds so that we begin to think as he thinks and see as he sees. It's healing of our emotions and of our hearts, all the stuff that we've lived through, all the stuff that has been done to us. He says, I'll bring healing. I'll bring healing in relationships. Healing is offered to us. Mild he lays his glory by, gently, Without fanfare, he sets down his crown and steps from his throne in heaven so that he could be born 
that man no more may die. Oh, we die physically, but not spiritually or permanently. And tomorrow in the message, we'll be talking about that eternal life that he provides for us. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. He was born for the purpose of triumph. That's why the enemy did all that he could to try to kill him. About the time he was two years old, Herod tried, and it wasn't just Herod. It was a strategic move on the part of the demonic forces to try to destroy Jesus. But God wasn't going to let that happen. And he sustained him all the way to the cross, all the way to the empty tomb, all the way back to the throne. Triumph. Let's sing these next two songs with that in mind and focus on the triumph that God offers to each one of us. Let's stand. Now with all those thoughts in mind, I would like you to listen to the Luke 2 account of Jesus' birth again through our children. Someone ask our children to come forward. This, these are scriptures that they memorized for their children's program a few weeks back. And I thought it would be appropriate for them now that you, we've said the scripture, we've talked about the scripture, we've talked about the themes, that we should hear the scripture once again, especially through the voices of children. And Joseph also went up to Galilee, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed to love this child. And while they were the ta- there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region... There were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. But the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, and that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and a baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them. And concerning this child, all who heard it wondered of what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them.
Thank you. Excellent job. You can be seated now. There's some power when it comes from the mouths of children. After we've talked about it and we've looked at the various aspects of it, the first part was what? Now, see, uh, you're not. When I ask a question, this is when you answer. The first part was what? Arrival. Arrival. And then identity. And then triumph for all of us. So I think we need to sing that song again after taking such a deep dive into the meaning behind it. And, and I, I, as we do, as we sing it, don't just say the words, but let the Spirit of God lodge it in your heart with a new depth and appreciation. Hark the herald angels sing. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Will be for all the people. Jesus' arrival as Savior is for all people. But not all people receive the reconciliation with God. Herod rejected it because it threatened him. The Pharisees rejected it because it threatened them. It is for all the people. I, and you wonder how in the world could it be that a person, once they hear the fact that God himself came to earth born of a baby, pleased with man as man, with man to dwell, God with us, lived a, such a loving life and sacrificed himself, wouldn't turn to him. And yet people do it all the time. And maybe you're here tonight and you're not sure if you have that relationship with him. But you can before you leave tonight. Because it's for all people. The shepherds responded in verse 15 by saying to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. On this Christmas Eve, wouldn't you want to be sure that you're like the shepherds are going to Jesus? That's his invitation. That's why he came. Not so that we can just know about him, not just so that we can gather in a, in a place like this, but so that he can live in our hearts. Be with us. Be for us. And then when we die, to walk across that threshold and see him there with open arms saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on into your reward. So I'd like you to bow your heads for a moment. And if you're not sure but you want to be. In this moment, just offer yourself to God. A simple prayer such as, Lord, I want that relationship with you. I confess that I've sinned against you. And I'm sorry. I want you to forgive me of my sins and make me your child. I commit to live in relationship with you, following you so that you can be with me and for me. I surrender my life to you. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for all of those that voice that prayer that you would overwhelm them with a sense of your presence, that you would guide them 
into this new life, following you, allowing you to be with them and for them. God, I pray for all of us that you would cause us to see you more clearly and follow you more passionately. That you would give us supernatural insight to this whole idea of your arrival, you being the incarnate God that has come not just to save us, but to live in us and give us abundant and eternal life. So Lord, on this Christmas Eve, we surrender afresh. Guide us to you in every way. Pray with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In a moment, we're going to take an offering. If you prayed that prayer or if you have any kind of, any prayer requests that you would like others to pray alongside in the seat back pocket, there's a blue welcome card. If you're a first time guest, we don't expect you to give an offering. Please feel free to fill out that blue card. If you give us your information, we do have a gift that we would love to give to you. Um, so let's take our offering. If you have a blue card to fill out, drop it in the offering plate. If you don't have time, just hand it to me or, or um, leave it in your seat and we'll pick it up later. It's just about time for one of the favorite parts of the Christmas Eve service, and that is the candle lighting. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. The candle lighting is um, a time to proclaim as the shepherds did. Let's go see what this is all about, and then let's tell everybody. So in a moment, I'm going to light my candle from the Christ candle, because it all started there on the arrival. And then I'm going, to, after we sing a verse or, or so, I'm going to come down and I'm going to begin to light somebody else's candle. And, and then at that point, you turn around and light somebody else's candle and, and pass it along, because that's what it means to live as the light of Christ, is to pass it on. And then on the final verse, 
we'll sing an a cappella, Silent Night, um, and we'll hold our candles up. And as we hold them up, it is a commitment to Him. It's a proclamation to, to God that I will shine your light. The light that is in us, light and life that He brings, I will live it for, for you. So if we can have somebody turn off the lights, the worship team join me. surrender our lives to you. We ask that your light 
your presence would so permeate our souls, our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our relationships, our attitudes, our behaviors, everything about us, that you would be honored, you would be glorified, you would be lifted up, that others will see you in us, be drawn to you. And that as long as we live on this earth, that we would experience that abundant life of you being for us as we walk in step with you. On this Christmas Eve, Lord, may you be pleased, may you be honored, may you, may you experience our expression of love and care. And as we go from this place, let us continue to glow with who you are. We give ourselves to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Happy Advent. You're dismissed. <laughs>